hello listeners, hello fellow listeners. Hello fellow listeners. My name is Hamdia and I'm Liz and this is Diversify Nature. Nature. Ooh, welcome to our first episode. Mm, welcome, welcome. So we basically, should we do a little background about us? Let's introduce ourselves. So <laughs> my name is Liz. Um, I come from a half Chinese background. Um, I went to university and studied zoology at Leeds for three years. And now I'm trying to get into the kind of media and conservation sector. And I'm Hamdia. I studied animal conservation science. Uh, I'm from a Somali background. And what else was it? That's it. What are you you hoping to achieve? I just want to become a conservationist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty difficult for us. Yeah, so we've we've kind of like both agreed that coming out of university wasn't what we expected. Um, I feel like it was kind of fabricated to be made out that we would go straight into conservation, we'd be working abroad and be mad. Um, And I think a lot of people, including ourselves, have come to terms that that is not reality. Um, And yeah, we kind of just want to discuss the kind of like the boundaries and... um, the rat's back. Is he? Mm. Sorry, guys, there's just like a rat outside. Oh my god, he's so sweet. I want him to take part in the podcast. I love rats, you know. I think they're so sweet. Okay. So we're, we're, <laughs> so we're part of Keeping It Wild program with the London Wildlife Trust. And part of the program, we have to do sort of a, a media training. And we decided to do a podcast on what we feel needs to be said. Yeah. So um, we've decided to do a podcast, a four-piece podcast, where we went out and we asked people around Manor House Station um, about their feelings about nature and different questions surrounding what boundaries there might be, etc., etc. So we're going to have four episodes, and in each episode we're going to kind of break down and discuss why people's answers might be that way or why people might feel that way about nature. Um, and we think this is really important because a lot of people our age, I know a lot of my friends, they don't care about nature. Um, but yeah, let, let's crack a lack into it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the same mistakes happening. Yeah, let's oh, crack a lack into it. So we're going to hear some common answers and we've literally got five minutes to discuss why it might be. So it's going to be really snapshot. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. So we're going to start off now. I picture them being in their like, Late 30s, early 40s. Late 20s or over. Like middle 20s. Middle aged. People probably within the 30s above. I've met and seen most people that are under the age of 30. Uh, middle class. Middle class, isn't it? Predominantly male, male dominated field. Yes, a lot of people thought that it was going to be a white man kind of like antisocial or hippie which is quite interesting um i don't know the conservation sector is heavily male weighted um and i think that's not it's not even like it's a stereotype because it, it currently still is you know but what i found is when when i studied at university i felt like maybe like 75 percent of the students were actually female but there's obviously something a correlation going wrong if there's actually more male people in the industry whilst there's a lot more females studying it. Mm. What do you think? 
I mean, I agreed with uh, the age range. I know that a lot of conservationists tend to be like 40, 50 around there. Mm. And uh, I think that's because a lot of them do have like successful careers and they've saved enough money because being a conservationist is it's costly. It's spenny. It's, it's spenny. You need to have like a lot of money in mm. order to be, you know, I think it sort of looks, it sort of feels like a, a little hobby in a way to care about the environment or, you know, to take, you know, go on traveling and stuff like that. Mm. But it's not, it's not available for the younger people at all because they mm. need to, they need to be rich, rich. I mean, it's a shame that it is a privilege. Um, because to be honest, a lot of people have interests in conservation and and in the environment, but especially like now, yeah, like yeah, climate change and all that is just happening. It's the younger kids doing it, and they need they need sort of those experiences that somehow only the rich can get, and only the men in their forties can get. Mm. It's just it's just probably interesting the fact they said that the the conservationists are antisocial. I think that was a big shocker, me coming into conservation, was the fact that everyone, well, going into any workplace, really, you're kind of not used to the different types of people that will you'll be working with. So you've got, like, extroverts. This is getting a bit... No. You've got, you've got extroverts, <laughs> you've, got, you've got introverts and stuff like that, and I think it's just understanding how to work with different types of people. Um, but, yeah, I'd say, like, a lot of people do this job because they love the environment not because because you know what it's not the best paid job mm. so they do it because they love it yeah um but i do agree on that you know the stereotypical if you do sort of close your eyes and picture an environmentalist mm. or a conservationist it's going to be you know a middle-aged man quiet though yeah. they said they were going to be quiet quiet yeah they said they're going to be like introverted don't go outside yeah because all their hobbies tend to lie in like animals because they don't conservation or yeah, yeah, and if you invest talkative, on, that's mm, the if you're not talkative, yeah, you, what you do you like? Your animals, animals or trees because they don't talk to you. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I get that. But I think yeah. it'd be interesting to get more young people involved in. Like, I feel like we live in this age now where everything's like instant gratification. So it's like Instagram, everything we get, it's constantly surrounded by people. Why? Is whether it, not, what, huh? Why? What do you mean? Why? We're surrounded by people all the time. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a minute, bro. it's making people. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> a it. whole minute's a long time. But what is that? I'm trying to stick to because the question. people don't. I feel like people aren't interested in spending time outside and being with like a log or like insects because it's not people. We're talking about um, the generic, like what you think of when you say conservationist. Yeah, but I guess less people are actually. I don't know. It's, it's not people privilege. that are interested. It is a privilege. a privilege to be able to, you know, waste money on something like a massive camera. I mean, we'd all love one. Don't get me wrong. A we're only saying ten thousand pound camera. We're only saying because we're hating because yeah, we honestly. really want a ten thousand pound camera. But yeah, it's a privilege. I can't. I can't go into it. I'm sorry. I mean, it'd be lovely. Getting heated. It'd be lovely. I'm getting heated. But it's a privilege. That's the thing. The privilege that some of us do not have, mm. and those some of us are those who are not the typical conservationists. It just happens. It's like word association game. Yeah. If you don't have money. Obviously, you're more likely to do a job that gives you more money. There's so many jobs in London that, you know, you get paid so much more than the conservation sector. But people who want to do conservation tend to want to help. They don't really focus on the money. Yeah. And the thing is, this is the contradictory thing about conservation. There's not a lot of money in it, but mm. you need to have a lot of money to get into it. 
Yeah. Which is just like... It's like this weird cycle, isn't it? Which is... It literally is... It makes it so small mm. for other people to get in that aren't, you know, middle-aged. In that niche. Yeah. Mm. So it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So that's probably our answer to that one. Boom. Yeah. From people I've met, somebody with uh, glasses, uh, probably around late 20s, um, finished uni, kind of doesn't know where to go. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, somebody who's also uh, has a lot of empathy inside him and somebody who really takes responsibility for living on the planet. So, hooray to those people. Are people that go on to do conservation um, from a quite a, an early age or a young age and they go out and they volunteer in different countries and I want to put emphasis on the volunteering in a different country at a young age it is incredibly difficult for some people with um, certain financial backgrounds and it does I think there is a, a big impact of having that money behind you initially even if you know whether it's from like working for years and saving up money or it's just having that money from another person given to you um i think it is it is um fairly dependent on that so a lot of people guess that people were people in the conservation sector were educated from university backgrounds and then one of your friends actually mentioned something really interesting about having to be very privileged to actually um, do a lot of the work that Jess, right? Yeah, Yeah, it was just true because at university there was a lot of trips, there was a lot of field days out and you've got to kind of be able to afford that lifestyle, um, you know, or just... In my second year, there was, uh, we went to a trip to the Gambia and I know a lot of people couldn't like go because it was really expensive, it's like 2,000 pounds. I couldn't like, go to the South poor. Africa one. Yeah. That's too poor. Like, even as a uni student, you can't... You still feel disadvantaged to a lot of all these experiences that everyone yeah. else manages to get. And then a lot of job um, job applications, they actually require a lot of... I'm not saying that every single place asks you to go, you know, to South Africa and to volunteer with the with the lions and tigers. It helps. It really it does, does help. And if you've if you've gone like Shimwari or something and been able to afford that five k, you know, one week holiday, you know, touching lion, patching it up and whatever, you know, they're gonna look at that and be like, who who wouldn't? You look at it and be like, that's amazing. Mm. Um, but it does make it an unfair advantage to the people that can afford it. And then not even directly, but indirectly through camera gear, through um, travel and stuff like that. If they expect you to go to a field site and it's really far and you only have an Oyster card, you don't have a car, then what? Then you can't go. Mm. It's a shame. It's a bit weird that you have to be university educated just to sort of help the environment. I thought that was a bit bizarre. It's sort of trying to get everyone involved in this, but you're also telling them, oh, you need a degree, you need a, a master's now, actually, to get mm. further. Mm. It's Yeah, and also it's like, I feel like you could work your way up in the conservation sector. There's a lot of people that Purely work. with just showing up to volunteer mm. days, literally. I think that's better than a master's, to be honest. Mm. I mean, that I feel like unless you, you want to do a do PhD, something. yeah, unless you want to do a PhD, because you, you sometimes question, why did I do... You learn so much more out in the fields. I feel so much more. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of paper reading. So you read a lot of papers at university about... Um, case studies involving species that you will probably never see in your entire life. Do you know what I mean? So it was a lot of research and a lot of um, quoting on that side.
But yeah, you do need uh, quite a bit of money to go to university and live university life, and you still need to be paying it back, so... It's a struggle. It is a struggle, and you can do it in your own time. It's not like it's not possible to do it um, without studying for a degree. Um, I think a lot of people think that you need a PhD and a master's just to be involved in the environment, which, which is a shame, really, because the environment's such an important thing. Mm, it sort of puts you off. Yeah. If people are getting PhDs just to look after the environment. You're thinking, let them do it. Mm. The other ones with the degrees, you know, I'm, I'm not that special. Yeah, and especially, especially if you're investing this much money into a career for a career that isn't really going to give you that money back in terms of, like, wage and stuff yeah. like that. You need to have passion. Yeah, you, you need to have passion, that. which kind of may put off a lot of people that don't have the initial finance in the first place. Exactly. There's our loophole. Yeah, so that's what we think about finance and the conservation sector. The stereotypical one is literally David Attenborough or someone... Not black. Uh, I do envision them being like middle class white people. Um, yeah, not much diversity. And the colleges is probably white. Probably white. Quite a typically um, white industry. Usually men, white men. Um, I may be wrong, but this is just common sense. Black or white, any? In terms of race, predominantly white anyone and everyone yes everyone thought it was a white a white person full stop and that is true because there's so there is a lack of ethnic diversity especially within the conservation i think in a lot of industries but in particular science and conservation industry yeah i agree i can't i wasn't listening (laughs) (laughs) i was reading something so this is called the green ceiling yeah and it's when a minority employment in environmental organisations has held steady around 16% for decades. Now, why do you think that might be? Mm, that's a difficult one. I think because initially it was quite a white-dominated dominated, um, sector. I think it's more difficult to come into an industry that doesn't have diversity in the first place. Or, you know, some industries have been more, not welcoming, but more open to diversity than others. I feel like the arts industry, like media, they've kind of really not only embraced but also um, made a commodity, people's ethnic backgrounds. So they've been like, yeah, this is great, let's use it to our advantage to reach out to more people. But I think the conservation sector has lacked that intuition to reach out to, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, communities they don't feel comfortable reaching out to. And I feel like that's partially to blame why a lot of you know um, communities aren't involved heavily in conservation what do you think i completely agree yeah that is bang on yeah it's true isn't it because i don't know it's like um i don't know when you go into to a, a workplace and not even just culturally people can't relate but because a lot of people aren't from different backgrounds, but yeah. having that willingness and open openness to kind of discuss people's heritage and oh why do you do that and why do you do this yeah but I feel like when it's initially quite different perspectives, yeah, different perspectives. Sort of a table, like that's what I think conservation is lacking in in Britain. Yeah, just different voices from different people. But yeah, and I guess I guess it also goes with the fact that a lot of people from um, ethnic backgrounds, from like B- BAME communities, mm. a lot of people 
they're second generation immigrants or first generation immigrants and maybe maybe they've come into this country for, you know all you know when you move to a different country all you know is work 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 and you do it to benefit your family exactly if you're already established here it's a lot easier just to you know do what you want to do mm. you don't have any mm. responsibilities you don't have grandparents you need to like send money to mm. do you know what I mean so it is they do have that as well it's a difference in lifestyle 100% and I think also with people BAME families you've got this expectation to do one of those big jobs the big man jobs you Doctors, know doctor lawyers. lawyer you know yeah. and it's I feel even though I come from a mixed heritage background I still feel that pressure it, it's it's difficult because I guess everyone's parents are like this, but you do have that pressure on you until you've achieved something. Mm. So maybe until that's what's putting you know people of color off from even trying in conservation. It's just that feeling of it's not going to get me anywhere. Yeah. So why bother? It's trying? definitely like a patience game. Like 100%. conservation industry is not going to pay off straight away. There's people that have been in the industry for like literally sixty years. Mm. Sixty years. And they're, you know, they, obviously they've achieved what they want to achieve in, in their careers, but a lot of people don't have the commitment or, you know, they have, they don't have the, I don't know. They're not blessed to have that time to wait around to get pay off from their work. Um, I'm just going to read this quote from an article. Yeah, go ahead. I still haven't even found the link. Yeah. I know I read it, but here we go. So... There's this, with the minorities joining environmental organisations, there's always a sense that minorities, that if minorities are hired, they won't stay long with a new organisation. And this person, her name is Taylor. Mm. I'm definitely going to put the link to... Thank you. Mm. I'm definitely going to put the link to uh, her article somewhere on our, on our social medias. But she also mentions that the lack of good mentoring within environmental organisations... So even when people from diverse works of life get into the door, they still face a closed informal culture. That leads to a feeling of alienation. Taylor said, and therefore leave. Mm, that's interesting, cause, so they don't... You feel like that? Yeah, well, it makes, it makes sense because... I've, I've been that way, like knowing my first mm. job, I was, again, the only person of colour in the, like, the building. No, no, actually, the town and the building... And it's sort of, you do feel alien, you do stop feeling, you know, why am I here? No one here looks like me. Mm. So I imagine that, but in your career, like actually a job you want to be in, mm. it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And also feel hard. like feeling like you can't be yourself. That's, just, that's a real difficult that thing hurts. for someone to go. It's very, yeah. it takes a lot of your energy as well. And it causes so many problems. I mean, like mental health problems, just not being yeah. able to be yourself. I think the best thing someone is could be able to do is be willing to understand a different perspective other than their own it's the people that it's the people at the very top that don't want to understand other cultures or other ways of people thinking and they just think you know what i'm right and then you hard-headedness yeah and they hide they end up they end up hiring people like themselves because it's the only thing they can relate to Mm. and it just creates this cycle where everyone's the same in the workplace um a little spot and in London, especially, there's so many, there's a multicultural city, so. Yeah, so the least common comment was that it could be for everyone and everyone. I think he didn't get the question, to be honest. I can't lie. You, well, maybe he, he didn't, maybe question. he didn't, but then there was, uh, there was two people that said, 
that opportunities are kind of open for everyone. And I get that to an, to an extent. Um, I think the industry is open, but I think certain groups have to work a lot harder than others because how the industry is based. Yeah. Um, Not much we can say. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I feel like like anyone can go to university. Everyone can go to university. I feel like everyone goes, everyone's mum, dad's, chicken's friend goes to university. The amount of debt that you get into Mm. for uni, Mm. like you need a really well-paying career to pay it all back. And that's why I feel like all, you know, what did you say, second generation immigrants? Like all first gen, like either one, they always have to strive for the, the, the career that is going to give them the most out of it. Yeah. Out of all the debt and stuff like that. Because so you've got to think about it deep that a conservation degree is actually cost the same amount of money as all the other degrees. Mm. Obviously, some things like, you know, if you become a doctor or whatever, it's sometimes like, you know, five, six, seven years, whatever. Um, oh, look, the royal baby has been named. Oh, Ain't that great? His name? Archie. Yeah. Uh, ain't that sweet? They're gonna know we're filming. We're Archie's so Archie's not gonna have to um, pay for his tuition fees. I promise well you that. Archie. Well done, Archie. Well done, Archie. But yeah, sometimes you think, oh, I could have done a different degree. It could would have cost the same amount of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Don't make me think about that. Maybe I should do a second, <laughs> a second little sneaky degree there. Um, but I get that, and you know, most people don't pay off their student finance. You know, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to knock on my door and ask me to stop paying, but I'm a bit scared. Mm. I'm a bit scared. Um, but but yeah, if you're... absolutely right. I think it was um, the last quote. Mm-hmm. Everyone and anyone. But everyone and anyone can be environmentalists. But going into it, I think you need a really, like, tough outer shell. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's difficult, I can't lie. Yeah. And that's me, that's me, like, with my passion and everything. It's still difficult and I still keep feeling like maybe I should just turn turn around right now while I can and just get any other career, literally mm-hmm. a teacher. But, you know, we go forth. Yeah, <laughs> we go forth and prosper. Yeah, um, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, it's true, it's true. And I guess you are seeing more and more presenters, not so much in the conservation sector. I'm not saying so much in the conservation sector, but others, other presenters, yeah. um, you know, repping the BAME people. Um, but I think the conservation sector really needs to embrace it a little bit more, mm-hmm. honestly, because it seems like they, they want the token ethnic person but they want it with that kind of like BBC English background and you can't pick and choose when it comes to culture. And sanity. They also want them to be sane in a room full of people that don't look like them. Yeah. Which is kind of impossible. I can't lie. Or kind of have like a, you know, that kind of like private school essence about them, Mm. even though, you know, the majority... You've got to take it for all it is. You can't pick and choose what you want from people. Mm. So I do think... Well, I guess some platforms like BBC are a bit more formal, so maybe that, that's why they want that. But I do think we could do with a bit more. But yeah, if you want to get into conservation, personally, we're both still struggling right now. But we have advice for you. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry about paying for conservation trips. Or do not do that. Don't, don't do it. traps. We're telling you this. Do not, no. do not spend, what do you call it? 
No, do not save. Do not save all you can just for like a week trip. Don't do it. There's little things that you can do, even near you or in like I don't know in your local space or something. Volunteer. Do as much as volunteers uh, volunteering as you can. Just keep working. Just weekend ones. You don't really have to spend any money. You can just donate to the causes, like the London Wildlife Trust, for example. You could just put in two quid in their little container mm-hmm. and you can volunteer you do sort of land management and just all these different skills that you build for free yeah if you're interested if you're interested in um like law and stuff mm-hmm. find out what campaigns are going around you i know not everyone has all the time in, in the world but even something like you know there's like facebook polls now so even if you like repost or retweet like a facebook poll um, about you know a petition or something like that little things like that genuinely I think the volunteering within England within Great Britain mm. will help you will benefit you more than just all these like exotic trips abroad like I don't understand like why people do it mm. I think people people were opportunists that's what I mean if you can profit off people which is sad that you people have to, done that, the companies have done that. If you're a young conservationist, you really need to just look at these companies and think, what do they, why do they want all my money? Mm. Where is all my money going? Ask, ask all these questions, because I genuinely, I genuinely know that they do not have the answers. Yeah. Okay, they, they're not on this conservation wave. They just want your money. And please choose wisely, at least, if you are going to work abroad, go for a charity, something that you know will... The money's going back into something. Exactly, and that you will benefit from mm. as well. And if you have a passion for something, you've got to just stay strong because it will pay off. Um, it might not be instant, but you'll get there. And don't be put off by the lack of um, familiar faces that you see in the media because, you know, by you trying, you're already contributing to that change. So keep going, folks. We believe in you. Yeah. So we'll catch you next week for our second episode um, surrounding... Um, BAME individuals and their access to the environment so join us next week Thursday for another podcast see you guys later